Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so, presents. Check. Decorations. Uh, Check. Christmas clothes. Yep, check. The turkey. You forgot the turkey. Dunn Stores has extended opening hours over the Christmas season, so you'll have plenty of time to get all those little jobs done. Opening times may vary. Check your Dunn Stores app or dunnstores.com for more info. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather. Predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. Monsters is a podcast about the worst human beings on the planet. Listener discretion is advised. George Hughley had a history of getting drunk and becoming violent. When his girlfriend decided to end their relationship with him because of it, he was dead set on talking to her about their relationship at any cost. This is Monsters. Domestic violence is sometimes defined as violence or abuse in a domestic setting, such as a marriage or cohabitation, but it's more broadly known as intimate partner violence. It's common for domestic violence to happen in couples that aren't married and don't live together. This means that domestic violence can happen more often with younger couples than people realize. Even teenagers in their earliest relationships can become victims of abuse by their partners. The Bureau of Justice Statistics says that women ages 16 to 24 are at the highest risk of non-fatal intimate partner violence. They also reported that 66% of teens who were in an abusive relationship never reported the abuse. A lot of times, these young adults don't know what to look for or how to get away from their abuser, which is why it's important to educate teens about ways to identify and avoid abusive relationships. In the United States, one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner at some point in their lifetime. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all national violent crime. Some people automatically think that children from broken marriages are all underprivileged and live lives of unmet needs. This isn't the case for everyone, especially not for George Hughley V. His great-great-grandfather co-founded the Gallagher and Hughley Lumberyard in 1912. 
The family invested in racehorses and owned a 1,000-unit apartment complex. The family spent their time at country clubs and yacht clubs around the Washington, D.C. area. George Hughley IV and Marta Murphy divorced while their son was attending the Mater D. School, a private school for boys in Bethesda, Maryland. He went on to attend the Landon School, another all-boys private school, where he was a star in the athletics department. As quarterback, he led the football team to a conference title, and in lacrosse, he had the fifth-largest goal total in school history. When he started attending the University of Virginia, he continued playing lacrosse, but wasn't taking the sport as seriously. Teammates said he didn't really keep in shape and became more of the team clown than anything else. He did host his teammates at his family's beach house in North Carolina and took them out on his father's 40-foot yacht. Like most college students, alcohol consumption was a large part of George's life. In 2008, a police officer found George stumbling into traffic near a fraternity at Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. When Officer Rebecca Moss told George to find a ride home or else she would arrest him, George began hurling racist and sexist insults before threatening, quote, I'll kill you, I'll kill all of y'all, I'm not going to jail, end quote. The threats only ended when the officer hit him with a taser. After a three- to four-minute struggle, she finally subdued the drunk young man and placed him under arrest. George's attorney said his client was, quote, just so drunk he did not remember doing or saying any of those things really, end quote. Which is weird because other people said that George recounted the incident to many people, but his version painted himself to be the victim of an overly aggressive officer. Right. He ended up pleading guilty to public intoxication and resisting arrest. He would have gotten expelled from school, but they were never notified about the incident. The same year, George's father called the police to report a domestic dispute on their yacht, which was about a quarter mile off the shore of Palm Beach, Florida. When Palm Beach Sheriff's deputies got to the boat, George jumped into the water and attempted to swim to shore. Deputies spoke to the elder George about the incident and no arrests were made. George was eventually picked up by other boaters. Yardley Love was also from an affluent family. She attended the Notre Dame Preparatory School near Baltimore, where she also excelled on the school's lacrosse team. When she began playing the sport at the University of Virginia, she joined the circle of friends at the college that were all parts of the men's and women's lacrosse teams. That's where Yardley Love met George, and the two began dating. Their relationship lasted for more than two years. They had a lot in common, both having gone to prep schools, both having a love of lacrosse, and both participated heavily in the UVA lacrosse party scene, at least at first. By their senior year, Yardley was starting to get tired of George's heavy drinking, which usually came with violence. On one occasion, George became angry when he found out that one of his teammates had walked Yardley home after a team victory party. He became convinced that the two had kissed, so he went into the teammate's apartment while he was sleeping and assaulted him. Both George and the teammate reported to their coach that it was only a personal scuffle and no further action was taken. In February of 2010, both the men's and women's lacrosse teams had won back-to-back -back games, so they were celebrating. George got drunk and attacked Yardley, jumping on top of her and choking her. Three lacrosse players from the University of North Carolina pulled George off of her and one of them gave her a ride to her family's home in Baltimore. 
After that, Yardley told some of her friends that the relationship was over, but other people said they saw them together on campus several times, and some of their friends thought they might still be dating. On May 1st, both George and Yardley attended a celebration after the men's lacrosse team won their final game of the season. Yardley was seen talking to George's mother, Marta, and though George wasn't specifically with them, he did pop over from time to time and exchanged friendly conversation. People who were there said that everything seemed fine. At about 2.15 in the morning on May 3, 2010, Yardley Love's roommate returned to the apartment to find the young athlete unresponsive. When she tried to wake Yardley, she saw blood in her hair and that her right eye was, quote, messed up, end quote. When her roommate called 911, she said that Yardley may have suffered from an alcohol overdose, but injuries on her head led investigators to quickly rule that out. After speaking to people who knew both Yardley and George, it was clear who their main suspect was. Um, let's kind of start, I'm going to kind of ask you some questions, and like I said, we'll explain things a little bit later. Um, tell me about your day yesterday. Play golf with um, our parents, it was a... Uh, a father-son, uh, good event, I mean. Where was that at? At um, Wintergreen. Wintergreen, mm -hmm. okay. I went to dinner with my dad and my two buddies. Where was that, where you? I went to CNL. Okay. Um, and then uh, went home, went to the bar for like a little while. And All right, what time did you go out to eat? The golf event had to ended at five-ish, so we were probably back at that was probably seven thirty with dinner. Okay. And um, then went home. I drank a few beers. Went like had um I went to the bar for a little while. I went to Boyle Boyle Heights. Wow. Okay. Um. Then I went over to talk to Yardley. And who's Yardley? Yardley is my former girlfriend. Okay. The day before Yardley was killed, there was a father-son golf game for members of the University of Virginia men's lacrosse team. George, who was well known for becoming violent when he drank, had already started drinking at the golf course. Then he went to dinner with his family where he had some more drinks. After arriving home, he drank some beers and then apparently decided that he was thirsty, so he headed to a bar, where he, of course, had more drinks. Sometime after midnight, estimated to be around the 1 a.m. mark, he decided that he desperately needed to go talk to Yardley about their relationship. When I went over to talk to Yardley, I, I like, was like, Yardley, and she was like, already, like, totally freaked out because because of what she did this past, like, a few days ago, and she, we hadn't talked since, I was just going to go talk to her. Mm -hmm. And she was already like, oh, like, freaking out. Like, you know, you can't go make a And I was like, I'm, like, just trying to talk to you. And, like, she, like, started being, like, like getting, like, all, like, you know, like, really, like, defensive against it because... The week before, she came into my apartment and like, attacked, like, and started striking me. And I like, was like, all right, you got to leave. And, like, had my roommate's girlfriend finally be like, all right, you, like, take her out of there because 
of this. So when I when I went in to talk to her, because literally they've been away, we've been away. When I talked to her, she was already like on the defensive edge, and like I was like, listen, I'm not here. Like I'm just here to talk to you, and she like got all like like sat up like her bed's against the wall like if it was in this corner she was like up against the wall and I was like like we were sitting there talking and like she started being like like you know like getting like all like aggressive after this and so I was like alright like chill out like and shook her a little bit and she started being like like freaking out and I was like listen I'm not like here to do anything I'm here to talk to you about everything that's ensued in the past week and and she was like and like sort of like being like no 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 like like hitting her head like like stop like like she's in the corner I was sitting on the bed I was like stop like I was like we were like what the hell like we were just gonna talk and like it was not at all like a good conversation because that's like she was already like freaking out with just even seeing me just even seeing me there. If what he says is true, then she seemed extremely scared of him as soon as he showed up at her apartment. Then, to make matters worse, he shook her a little bit. At the end, he says, quote, she was freaked out even seeing me there, end quote. I wonder why that might be. The investigator asked him to explain the event that he was referring to. Start with that last week. Did y'all break week. up last week? We broke up like a month ago, but it had been like, talking and like you know hanging out and stuff what did you break up and because we broke up because she wanted to but like was because she wasn't really sure about all this because we we're both like graduating you know and she wants to move to new york and i want to move like to san francisco mm-hmm. and so she was like we don't really know and she was like you know sort of unsure about all of this calling the week ago she goes down to, she went down to Carolina, and, like, I don't know what happened there, but she told me what happened, which was, like, which was that Wednesday night. She sends me a text message, like, oh, I'm so glad, like, I, I you know, I, you know, I'm so glad, like, I fucked so-and-so, you know? And so I didn't even respond to that. I was like, whatever. Like, she said you know, she fucked somebody? Is that what you just said? Hooked up, fucked, like, same, okay. same thing. So I didn't even respond to that. Those were, like, text messages. So I went to the bar, like, saw her at the bar, actually. And she's, like, all, like, you know, like, fucked up. So I was talking to uh, a buddy, and um, we were, at, and, and like, she comes over. It was, like, my buddy, like, didn't, whatever, didn't even bother and then I'm at home on my sofa, and she walks in the door, opens the door, and comes over and just starts hitting me in the face. And I like got up and I was like, "Stop! Like, like you know, like get off of me! Like leave me alone! Like, like you, you can't like do this! You can't just like start doing this!" Like, and then I had to get my roommate's girlfriend who's is friends with my girlfriend. I was like, "Yo, Liz, like." calling from her from the kitchen like get her out of here like never like touched her and never struck her I was just like listen like you have to like stop hitting me and she wouldn't stop and she kept coming and kept coming 
So that happened. So I was going over there to talk to her last night on Sunday, and like, and that was the reason why I was going over there to talk to her. George tells a story about what he says is the last time he had seen Yardley, claiming that she had come into his apartment and started attacking him for no reason. He claimed that his roommate's girlfriend had to pull her off of him and get her to leave. I can't find any confirmation of this story anywhere. George claimed that the incident happened a week ago, but that can't be the last time he saw Yardley, because they were seen together at the event on May 1st, where witnesses say they were cordial to each other. He claims to have text messages and emails from Yardley where she threatened him. So you, you, I mean, um, I'm going to go through this one more time, make sure we're on the same page. So you're, you're pretty pissed at her from a week ago for sending you his text messages. Do you have those text messages where she says she, uh, as you put it, fucked somebody? I actually might have those, yeah. All right, you got your phone with you? Yeah. And let's, let's pull it out and put it through. Let's see if we can see those. Of course, they're nowhere to be found. What happened next? What happened next? And she just kept hitting her head against the against the wall while she was sitting on the bed. And I was like, I grabbed her and I like shook her. I was like, stop! Like we need to, like and looked at her. I was like, we need to like talk about this. And, like. I mean, I was on holding her arm and stuff, but like, I, I never struck her. I never like hit her, hit her like in the face or anything. I was just like, we need talking. She was so like, she was so like, oh, I mean, what's the word? Like, you know, like, like flopping a fish out of the water, like, like so, like all this, all because of what happened last week. And I was like, listen, like, I'm not here to like fight with you or like do anything like here talk to you and like and she's like no 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 like get away from me all this like and being and like and like that's what happened like I left and she was in her bed I think her nose was bleeding a little bit but she was in her like when I left she was like still in her bed like and then actually she may at one point she got on the floor and we and we were talking uh, we were like, and she was still like fighting. Actually, no, she went over to her desk. Where the desk is, and she was like, "You have to leave. You have to leave. You have to leave. You have to leave. You have to leave." You have to leave like all this stuff. And I was like, "All right, like fine." Like, but like, I want to talk to you after all this. And and like, I was I was like a little bit persistent because of the situation. It's interesting here that George specifically says he didn't hit Yardley in the face, because neither of the investigators have mentioned her having any wounds to her face. 
the medical examiner would testify that Yardley Love was covered in bruises when she died. Her calves and thighs were bruised, there were major contusions on her left forearm, and there was a large bruise on top of her left hand. She had a black eye, a swollen eye socket, a bruised chin, a scraped lip, the flesh inside her mouth was torn, and her tongue was black and blue. The main cause of death was cardiac arrhythmia, which is an irregular heartbeat caused by blunt force trauma to the head. The head injury caused damage to her brain, which disrupted the flow of blood to her heart. And to be fair, the bruises on her legs and arms may have been from lacrosse, but the injuries to her head and face definitely were not. All right, so you go over there. Knock on the door. Her front door's open. Mm-hmm. Her room door was closed. I knock, like, like yard. They like she heard me open the door and and went in. All right, went in where? To her room. All right, straight to her bedroom. Straight to her bedroom. Yeah, I mean. How'd you get through the door? Her door. Or the mm-hmm. Front door. Her door. Actually, it might have been locked. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Just, just sure. be honest with you. Yeah, no, yeah, it was actually it was locked. Yeah, because yeah. I think I put a hole. Yeah, you punched a hole through the door. Pretty sure, actually. Now, yeah, okay. I used that. Yeah. All right. What, sure. what, why'd you do that? Because I won't talk to her because okay. she sent been sending me like emails. Was she like, telling you to leave emails. or? Well, I, I guess yeah. When I once I was in her room. She was like very like you know like hardly doing like I don't want to talk to you like all the stuff like you know. Uh, what was she wearing? She was what was she wearing? She I think she was, she was in her bed. She was in her underwear and t-shirt. Okay. Okay. All right. So I you, you get in there. She's in her. Okay. Her I, 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 okay. I'm like, not saying you that. I'm just trying to pick her up. Yeah. No. I understand. Okay. All right, so she's in her bed, T-shirt, and underwear, you think? Yeah. Okay. Light on, light off? Light off. I'm pretty sure she was, like, this was, like, around probably, I want to say, like, 1245-ish. Okay. So she was, like, probably, she was, like, either asleep or, like, you know, to it something. And so I went in there to talk to her, and and she was very, like, you know, very on edge, like, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk, you know. Oh, well now her bedroom door was locked, a little detail that he omitted from his story initially. So, like any reasonable person would, he busted a hole in the door to gain entry. Remember when he said she was freaked out even seeing him there, and I said I wonder why that might be? Well, we're starting to figure that out. When the investigator asks him why he did the things he did, he always answers, quote, because I wanted to talk to her, end quote. Even when she tells him she doesn't want to talk and tells him to go away, he doesn't care. He wants to talk, and that's all that matters. He has a history of being spoiled, and it seems like he can't comprehend not getting what he wants. He wants to talk. She says no, well that's not going to work because he wants to talk. She locks the door. Well, he'll just break in because he wants to talk. And she was like, I'm not, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking to you. And she like, push me, like, get out of here. Like, like, go. And I was like, no. And like, I was like, be like, we have to talk. Like, so like, get like. When you're, when you're doing that, what, what are you holding on her? On her or, arms. On her arms, like maybe up here? Like, like shoulders, yeah. Shoulders. Like, 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 like mm-hmm. yeah, like, like. 
never like struggle, never like, you know, I mean, if I could like show you. I, no, I'm sorry. I know, I'm I know, but like, up in, like, up arms. like, come on, like, you know, and she, that's when she would like wiggle and like, like get away and like, you know, like hide in the, get in the corner, like really like aggressive, like defensively almost. And then we like wrestled on the ground the same way, her nose started bleeding. And and then I was and then she ended. I think she was back in bed, and I was and I left. I was like, oh, this is the, not going anywhere. How'd she get back in bed? Oh, uh, we were like wrestling, and we stood up, and I I tossed her, I pushed her on the bed. I was like, go to bed. Like, I'll talk to you later. I put, I, yeah, I'm like, I didn't like throw her, but like mm-hmm. we were like standing up at this point after we wrestled on the ground. She had like a bloody nose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, go, you, um, go to bed. Okay. And you kind of tossed her on the bed and you left. Yeah. Okay. No, I want to talk. He's literally describing invading her space, refusing to leave when asked, shaking her and having her cower in the corner. Then he tosses her on the bed and leaves. Did, when, when you left her apartment, did you take anything with you? No. Nothing she at all. In her bed. All right. All right, because um, I, I think we're not, her, her laptop is missing, I guess. Did you grab it for any reason? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. You did? Okay. Is it at your apartment? Yeah, okay. somewhere in my apartment. I can okay. give it to her. Why'd you grab her laptop? Because I was so pissed that she wouldn't talk to me. I was like, I don't know. I like took it almost as like collateral, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's not reasonable logic but right okay. i don't know did you take anything else besides no, the laptop no. nothing no okay. I mean, all right he omits details until he finds out that the investigators know about it and then admits it he took her laptop as collateral to get her to talk to him this guy is such a douchebag that he breaks into her bedroom to talk to her Then, when she finally gets him to leave, he steals her laptop to use as a hostage to get her to talk to him? Even though I think he's terrible enough to do that. It's a lie. Where are we going to find the computer at? The computer is, I mean, the dumpster, maybe. So, you throw her computer in the dumpster? Yeah, the one right by 14th Street. Okay. The one, no, not, not the one right by 423. It is the one right by the, the point. By the point? There's an apartment called the point. the point, yeah. And I, on the way home, I tossed it in there. I walked over there, tossed it in there, and walked home. Okay. That's where the computer is. All right. Did you toss anything else in there that we need to know about? Okay. Where are we going to find this computer that you took to use as collateral to get Yardley to talk to you? In your apartment? In your car? No, in a dumpster. He tossed it in a dumpster immediately after he left the apartment. So George took the laptop to hold his hostage and then immediately tossed it in a dumpster? No, there was something on that laptop that he wanted to hide. Investigators already knew exactly what he was trying to keep hidden. Just days before Yardley's death, George had sent her an email that said, quote, I should have killed you, end quote. The emails had been deleted, presumably by George, but were still recovered. 
the investigators continue clarifying exactly what happened. They clearly know what happened. They just want him to say it. Let's talk about how you, you entered. entered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Because to put your to have put your fist through the door. No, I, it's she actually my leg. I'm pretty your sure. Leg. Because that's why my legs like this. Yeah, you're right. Now, where's your leg? Yeah. How'd you get all the bruising on your hand then? This is all from the cross. This is all. That's pretty fresh, right there. Looks. This is all from my lacrosse game on Saturday. Okay. I mean, I wear my arm, you can see where my arm pads are. Mm -hmm. Right here, my gloves are here. And that's Even right there, I thought you, you wore those padded gloves. This is, all, this is all the difference. This is all from lacrosse. 100%. This is where my arm pads are, and my gloves mm -hmm. are here. This is all tanner because it's because that's where it gets sawn compared okay. to where my legs like the difference in color. And, okay. and that's, I got waxed here, I remember. 100% got whacked during the game when I was trying to end, like kill the clock. Mm -hmm. When when you had her and you're shaking, did she scratch you anywhere? No. No? No. She's a little girl. She's tiny. Yeah, she's not. No, she didn't, she didn't she scratch didn't try me. to hit you or anything like that? No. Okay. So you, you kick in the door. Yeah, that's so that, that, that's how I got to, yeah. Okay. And then I stuck my hand through and unlocked it. And went in there, and okay. everything else was for you. Right. What was she saying while you're kicking the door? I mean, did you get, just go straight and kick, or did you knock first? No, I knocked first. I was like, you're going let me in. And she was like, and I think she was like, she said something that was, that was, I remember that was like, I just don't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember her saying, you know, saying something or like whispering some shit or like, I don't know. And I was like, all right, well, like she knew because I sent her emails. I sent her like six emails recently that was like, when you talk, I'm coming over to talk to you. Okay. And like, and she didn't actually, actually didn't respond to those past two ones. But I've told her, and she, or she said something like, like, fuck you, I'm not talking to you, like, so along those lines. Let me give a little tip to any person who wants to talk to a significant other, or ex-significant other, or anybody else for that matter. You are not entitled to that. If you text or email someone over and over and they don't respond, it doesn't give you the right to stalk them, to try to force them to talk to you. If you call them repeatedly and they don't answer... It does not give you the right to ambush them at work to force them to talk to you. If you knock on their door and they don't answer, it does not give you the right to kick in their door and force them to talk to you. And if they ask you to leave, it does not give you the right to steal something of theirs to try to force them to talk to you. A conversation takes two people, and both of them need to want to talk to make it a conversation. Otherwise, it's harassment, stalking, or breaking and entering. Why in the heck would you break in our door, man? Locked on me. I wanted to talk to her. And I sat no, no, that's, that's more than that, man. That, that's rage, the way that door was kicked in. That was pure rage. You must you must have been seriously mad. No. You, you told us everything else. I you told you everything. Yeah, I, told you, I told you guys everything. I'm not hiding anything. Right. I told you literally but, but everything. Why, but why kick it in? That's just pure rage. I, I wanted and, to and, talk and, to and her. I wanted way. to talk to her. I wanted to talk to her. Have you always her. been that way with her as far as she didn't want to do something? It was kind of your way of the highway type of thing? No, no. 
No. I mean, you know, I understand that, you know, you had a lot of alcohol in you last night. Okay. I mean, and, you know, do you think that could have maybe led into why you were, you know, fed your emotions to kick in that door? That, that may have, have, have made me rationalize kicking in the door to open it up, but it was all strictly to go in there and talk to her. I wanted to talk to her. I told her, I sent emails. You can see all the emails. You can see everything. I said, we need to talk about this. Again, he says, I wanted to talk to her. He answers like it's a perfectly reasonable answer to why he kicked in someone's door. This is a young man who had been failed by his upbringing. He clearly does not understand that not getting what he wants is an option in life. The investigators continue bringing up extra details that they know about the case. Because it's funny that you mentioned putting your hands around her neck and holding her back that way. Is there another reason why you two broke up? Any arguments? Any, any past physical violence? Um, okay, be, that, because that, keep in mind, before we talk to you, we talk to other people too. No, I understand. You know, you know, okay. I, mean, I mean, that night that she found the, the, the text messages in my phone, I was like, I don't know, I was, that night I was more drunk than I've probably ever been. Right. And she did the same thing, like, you know, like, sort of like yelling at me, like hitting me while I'm drunk. And I, I actually laid on her and like held her like detained her kind of and she ended up like leaving but that that happened that night how did you detain her i mean sir like that night i was did you like over yourself or did other people have to come and get you off of her uh i'm not you know i don't i really don't remember that night at all not at all okay. no not at all Maybe because you, you maybe smothered her a little bit that night. Maybe you choked her a little bit. No, I don't think I choked her. She never said I choked her. She said I I laid on her and held her. Right. And like and like, how, did, how did you lay down on her? She, she said I literally like laid on her. Was she face down and you laid on top I, of her? Or? I don't even know. We like like we've hung out since that night like a bunch of times. Like actually, probably a dozen times since that night. Yeah. And we haven't really talked about that. But since that night, like, she's never said that, like, I was choking her or anything. She said I literally, like, laid on her and, like, kind of, like, didn't know that. She's she's about, what, 105, 110 pounds soaking wet? You're almost double her size? Yeah, probably. You you don't think that would maybe be enough to take the breath out of her if you're laying down on top of her? Uh, I mean, I never never thought about it like that. This happens in interrogations a lot. Someone claims to not remember a specific event, but they clearly remember a detail that makes them look better. George was too drunk to remember this event, but he's sure that he didn't choke her. Witnesses that were there testified that three other lacrosse players had to pull George off of Yardley and that one of them gave her a ride home. Some of the reports say that she began dating the man that took her home, and that's what led to the emailed death threat. During this interrogation, George has not been told that Yardley is dead. He believes that he is being questioned for assaulting her the previous night. She's dead. You killed her, George. You killed her. She's dead? I think you knew that already. No, I did not. She 
She's dead. How the fuck is she dead? Because you killed her, George. How the fuck is she dead? Because you killed her. We're not here for any reason, George. She's dead? Yes. She's dead? Yes. She's dead. She's dead. How? How? I already told you how. You already told us how as well. How is she dead? You just told us. How is she dead? How is she dead? I didn't strangle. I didn't do. I, I didn't fucking hit her. I don't even know. I don't. She's dead. Yes. How the fuck is she dead? Some people believe that George knew that she was dead prior to being told, but I'm not 100% sure. It's quite possible that he was too drunk to completely remember what happened that night. He remembers going there and remembers some sort of struggle, but the fine details are gone. That would explain some of his behavior in the interrogation. I believe that he took Yardley's laptop to hide his threatening emails, but by the time of his interrogation, he might not have completely remembered that. He gave a shitty reason for why he took the laptop, but it almost seemed like he was trying to come up with a reason why he took it, because he himself wasn't quite sure. It's up in the air for me. I don't think that he's that good of an actor. He has a history of getting drunk, becoming violent, and not always remembering what he did. Tell me what you think in the comments. That's why we. That's why you took the computer, isn't it? No. Because you had threats to kill her on it from a past email. Because she hooked up with a player from UNC. I never. I said that. I, I never. Like that was just like the the the. the, 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 the moment. Last night was he the moment too, wasn't it? You went in there to talk with her, but it got out of control, right, George? The alcohol got a hold of you. You kicked in her door. She started to fight with you. You punched her in the head, or you cracked her head. You cracked her head. You cracked her head in the window or in the in the wall. She is. I ain't BSing you right now. It's serious. I want to see. I want to see her. George, George, she is dead. You were not here to dance with us. You're you're here because she's dead. The alcohol. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's true, dude. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I did it. I didn't hurt her. Listen to listen to me. I didn't hurt her. Listen to me. You probably didn't mean to hurt. I didn't hurt her. You went in there, you kicked the door, and she got a little feisty. You either punched her or you smacked her head a little into the concrete, and then you held her down on the pillow because that's what no, you did. I didn't her on the pillow. I've never on the bed. Okay, then. I never held her down. I never, I never suffocated. I never did anything. I, I don't believe that she's dead. How did you? How did, how I don't believe that she's dead. How I she, don't believe that she's did, dead. Did you punch her? Did you hear her? How, she's, there's there's no way she's dead. There's, she's not dead. I didn't. I never did anything like that she could be dead. Listen to me. She's not dead. Did you punch her? or did No, I never, I never, no. Did you hold her head into the wall? Did you crack it? No. Did you Is her head cracked? Did you smack her head in the wall? No. She's not dead. She's not dead. You guys said she has a black eye and a, a bump on her head. She has those things. But uh, she's not. She, she, she's not dead. I didn't. I didn't. I did not. I did not. All right. Let's let's calm down. I did not like hurt her. Like she's she's not dead. Calm down, then, George. Okay. Tell me she's not dead. Tell me okay. she's she, she's not dead. I, I want you to calm down right now. Okay. 
I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I never did anything that would that could do that to her. Well, let's just let's call. I never did anything that could do that to her. I swear to God, I never did anything that could do that to her. I never. No, I don't. I I I refuse to believe that that she's dead because there's no way that anything that happened last night could kill her. George says he doesn't believe that Yardley was dead and that the investigators are lying to him. He couldn't have done anything to kill her. The truth is, George Hughley kicked in the door to Yardley Love's bedroom, got in a fight with her where he smashed her head into the brick wall in her bedroom, and she died as a result of those injuries. After he was handcuffed and placed under arrest, he continued to be in denial about Yardley's death. I did it. I know she's not dead. 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 There's no way she's dead. There's no way she's dead. There's no way. There can't be any way she's dead. There can't be any way that she's dead. Sir, I'm telling you, there's no way she's dead. You have to be lying to me. Tell me you're lying to me. Tell me you're lying to me. How is she dead? How is she dead? How? What did she die from? We're going to find that out. What did she die from? We're going to find out. I can't make that determination. Sir, sir. Either the head trauma or asphyxiation. There was no asphyxiation. Okay. On April 11, 2011, George Hughley was charged with first-degree murder. On January 7, 2012, prosecutors added five additional counts. Felony murder, robbery of a residence, entering a house with the intent to commit a felony, and grand larceny. Most of the trial painted George as a violent drunk. A former girlfriend of his recounted a time when her, George, and other friends were walking back to her apartment after drinking at a bar. When she slowed down to talk to a young man that was walking behind them, George turned around and punched him. After making sure he was okay, she and her roommate ran home. When former women's lacrosse player Claire Bordley took the stand, she told the story of how her father had been George's high school lacrosse coach. After she had told her father about George's drinking habit, George got scolded by the coach. When he saw Claire later at a bar, he put his hands around her neck, but a nearby bouncer grabbed him and kicked him out. Then there was the testimony of the man that George attacked in his bedroom in the middle of the night. It would have been easy for the jury to bring back a verdict of guilty on the first-degree murder charge. They said, after seeing his reaction to finding out that Yardley had died, which they believed to be genuine, they found him guilty of a reduced charge of second-degree murder as well as grand larceny. The judge sentenced George Hughley to 23 years in prison for the murder and one year in prison for grand larceny, which was to be served concurrently. George's lawyers filed multiple appeals that were all denied until 2020, when a federal judge ordered an evidentiary hearing to determine if the jury improperly used a dictionary to determine the definition of malice. The jury was given the definition by the court and the definition in the dictionary may have differed, meaning they would have been holding the defendant to a different standard than the court required. The claim was based on one juror claiming that he had used a dictionary during deliberations. After interviewing jurors and other witnesses, 26 other people contradicted the claim. The judge denied the appeal. In the aftermath of Yardley Love's death, her family started the One Love Foundation. 
Yardley War No. 1 at the University of Virginia, which is part of the meaning of the name. The foundation hosts workshops and peer-to-peer discussions about healthy and unhealthy relationships. They work to educate young people about how to identify and avoid abusive relationships. You can learn more by going to joinonelove.org. If you're a victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will instantly take your browser to a Google search page. In the event the abuser is nearby, you can ensure that you don't get caught trying to get help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be safe. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, you can help us out by leaving us a review or rating on whatever podcast app you listen through. You can also subscribe to the show to ensure you don't miss an episode. Also, remember that if you'd like to support the show, you can find information on how to do that at thisismonsters.com forward slash support. Thanks again. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. Shrink your Christmas bill at Dunn Stores. Delicious free-range 4-kilo Irish turkeys are just $39.99. And incredible unsmoked centre-cut Irish ham is now just $13.59 for 2.75 kilos. That's 20% off. King prawn cocktail and oak and peat cold smoked salmon are just €6. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher abused to next grocery shop of €50 or more.